0: in tea. Psilocybin, LSD. It's just tea. Why are you doing this to me? To show you just how much you don't know. Open your eyes. You think you know how the world works. You think that this material universe is all there is. What is real? What mysteries lie beyond the reach of your senses? At the root of existence, mind and matter meet. Thoughts shape reality. This universe is only one of an infinite number. Worlds without end. Who are you in this vast multiverse? Welcome to the Psychedelic Dimension. That is Nick's nonfiction. Here with your Sherpa guru, Nick Muniz, we have Annika Harris's book, Consciousness, a New York Times bestseller, brief little hundred-page read if you're looking for some quarantine content. This book is a brief guide to the fundamental mystery of the mind. Right between your two ears, ladies and gentlemen, behind... Those big bobbly eyes of yours is the biggest mystery in the universe. Your brain, a mystery as big as a black hole. And we all know someone who where their brain should be is as devoid as a black hole. We take this miracle machinery in our noodle for granted every single day. We have a whole bunch of organs in our body. But the brain is one of the few pieces of living matter in the universe that has learned to recognize itself. You've seen the memes. The brain is the only thing in the universe that named itself, man. We have eight short chapters today, and we're going to the collective consciousness. Starting at the bio-survival circuit, we're talking about time bending, the hard problem of consciousness, all of the crazy waters that you can get into. Yes, scientists fear the discussion of consciousness. It is undefinable. Where is the line drawn? Is creativity what creates consciousness? Or is a snail you see walking down the street conscious as well? Annika argues for free will, but that free will is a byproduct of consciousness. It is an emergent phenomenon that we will never get to the bottom of. A radio host's favorite topic. You could talk out your ass for hours on end. And that's what we're talking today, people. Psychedelic trips, the eight high circuits of thinking, the central intelligence agency's declassified psychedelic tests, baby. Always be skeptical of those peddling enlightenment because unfortunately we do not know where we go when the lights turn off when this conscious ride is over hell we don't know where we go for eight hours every single day when we lay down on our transcendence pad and go to another dimension while our brain turns off also known as sleep comas near-death experiences and of course hallucinogens bring us to these states of higher thinking psychedelic a word that means mind manifesting no some guy in tattered clothes with a peace sign necklace didn't come up with these ideas these are academic definitions passed on from miss annika harris let's get the about the author annika harris i didn't even know when i was buying this book that she is the spouse to author one of the biggest podcasters in america and neuroscientist sam harris you've heard the name before They got married back in 2004 and have been raising two kids. One of the most trippy things you could do with your existence, reproduce. Not surprised, though, when a tiny little pamphlet showed up. You see, (laughs) Sean Carroll's wife, another one of the best scientific writers of our time, His wife is starting to try to make her own books as well, too. Annika Harris is an author of children's books, and then she considers two novels. This little 100-pager being one of them was written in 2018. So this is the cutting edge of consciousness. She's using some of the most up-to-date studies. We're talking about parasites that can manipulate your consciousness today. Very cool subjects. And again, it's a New York Times best-selling book, covers that hard problem of consciousness every neurologist and scientist has fuddled over in their brain over time, and the grander idea of panipsism, which is... Much like the collective consciousness. You look at a colony of ants, is an ant really conscious? But when you look at the ant colony as a whole, they're building mountains, they're siphoning rivers off into their little underground lairs. They're manipulating their environment. Is it a collective consciousness? That is the idea of panipsism. We're dissecting all of these today. And what I would also suggest, if you haven't seen any of Sam Harris's work, I used to bookmark this guy's debates He has, he'll debate uh, hardcore religious people of any religion. You know, he's one of these Christopher Hitchens type of all debunk anybody. It teaches you how to reason, gives you some Greek rhetoric to use in your daily life. Those are a great read and Annika, living with Sam, has leeched (laughs) enough awesomeness, smartness to write a book already. She's always been interested in religious interpretations and consciousness, so this is the perfect book to expand your comfortability on consciousness or anybody's comfortability conversing this crazy subject. Let's get into this little guy. Eight quick chapters, starting with number one, A Mystery Hiding in Plain Sight. She started by saying, Think about it. Well, you're going to think about it different than I did, Every single person's consciousness is so profoundly different from one another, it's easy to get distracted on the definition of this thing. There is no solid definition of consciousness. It is an intangible object. It might be a theory, for all we know. I might have been programmed by God before I was born to say all these things. Dildo hot dog. Wow, that is one creative God writer. I have never thought of a dildo hot dog until this very moment. You will see I am not arguing for determinism, but Annika does show why the research does suggest for determinism. So try not to get so caught up in the definition of this word consciousness because look at your spouse, look at the person that you're walking by on the street right now. They have a profoundly different experience on this earth due to the way their consciousness intakes information. Your brain, the magic machinery, it leaks curiosity, pleasure-seeking, and everything that you have ever experienced in your life is locked away in this meshy organ in your head. This mystery hiding in plain sight, Annika calls it. She said the act of meditation is one where consciousness recognizes itself and silences itself. So... Like we're saying, there's a lot of noise going on between your two ears. Might be just me. But the best way to silence that is with meditation, and then you can more objectively observe what this mystery is behind your head. This is a very basic book. I just finished Robert Anton Wilson's Prometheus Rising, all about the transcending to the eight high circuits of learning, of thinking. That book is more about unlocking those suppressed memories that you have up in your lockbox. Annika is just making us a little bit more comfortable with these ideas today. As a kid, Miss Harris would admit to laying in the grass, stretching her arms and legs out as far as possible, staring at the sun, and trying to dissolve. She was having depersonalization, completely sober, completely devoid of (laughs) self-isolation. She was a psychonaut from the start, but looking up at the stars, we all did it as kids, it makes you realize... The craziness of our existence. Like, you think trying to define consciousness is so crazy? Try to define that we're all calm while we're hurtling hundreds of thousands of miles through space clinging to the edge of a rock with a thin atmosphere protecting us from missiles. Giant rocks coming at us to potentially end our species. Laying out there trying to turn back into dirt Annika saw we are on what many people call spaceship earth cloud watching in itself is a psychedelic act you are manifesting your own images within the clouds it's like those um frame of mind tests that psychologists do you look at the ink splotch and then tell me what it means you are doing that to your mind when you stop tune into your breathing and look at the clouds consciousness is a big mystery. She put a little bit of a definition to it in the first chapter. Thomas Nagel, a preferred author of hers, wrote about consciousness, quote, An organism is conscious if there is something that it is like to be that organism. So this is a pretty explanatory definition, but it's flexible. It's not a one size fits all. Is there a what it's like to be that organism? Think about a barnacle, a tiny little mollusk that clings to the side of a pier he has um, a digestive system to intake nutrients and expel waste but is this thing conscious how would you ever explain being a barnacle it doesn't have any sensory input and then you got a beaver who's chopping down trees building dams manipulating nature that's definitely conscious So Thomas Nagel and Annika would say that if you could describe what it's like to be that thing, then it is conscious. Pretty loose definition. Vegans are not going to like this one. Scientists recently found out that if you uh, harvest a head of cabbage, it releases a pheromone to the remaining cabbages to bitter up. Those cabbages release, like, a bitter molecule that makes it so that whatever animal's eating it doesn't want to eat it. But, you know, we're farming it, so their protective mechanisms don't work. Vegans, you hear that? Your head of cabbage has a head of its own. It knows how to warn its friends when it's about to be eaten. Are you still going to—what are you going to eat? Rocks for the rest of your life? Also, scientists have found that mussels, like those mollusks I was talking about and clams— they don't have any pain receptors. They literally can't feel. So if you're a vegan, why not eat those? They cannot, f- it's not conscious. Higher scientists who have like dedicated their life to the problem of consciousness refer to consciousness as experiencing feelings or just like taking an experience. So if you don't have eyes, ears, and nose and mouth, if you can't feel, taste, or hear anything, what would you be? You'd be a brain floating in a vat. So there is obviously a spectrum of consciousness, and it's not a line in the sand that you cross over at some point. We're not going to really know how conscious your dog is until we get to be, until we get to trade minds with him. Think about trees. It's pretty damn easy to say trees aren't conscious. Ladies and gentlemen, Take a dose of psychedelic mushrooms and go hug one of those big oafs. You will feel the bark squirming around, hugging you back. You can feel the energy radiating off of these hundred-year-old wood creatures that have been there. (laughs) I have reoccurring dreams where I am foliage, bro. I can travel through the roots of trees. Paul Stamets, he's like the one of the leading mushroom researchers. He has found that in almost every lawn in America, underneath the soil, there is a slab of fungi and it communicates to the other parts of the slab where to redistribute resources. It's a conscious little being underneath your lawn. These dreams I have, I am the slab of fungi, baby. Think about your street. You're standing on your street and there's trees going up and down. Maybe they create a nice little balcony to block the sun out over your street. I am traveling through the roots of these trees, up and down the branches, looking in people's windows. Who's to say there isn't a collective consciousness within that band of frequency? Yes, we are talking fully off the radar today. Annika again with that first definition, wants to make us weary about how we define consciousness because there is not one accepted academic definition. That's why you could talk out your ass like this. Many underlying levels of consciousness. So before we wrap on that whole idea, remember that Spider-Man movie, the crappy ones with Andrew Garfield's, The second one, Jamie Foxx was the villain. How do you make a bad movie with that cast? He was like the electric guy, and he was able to feel the power grid throughout New York City. He could like travel to any apartment anywhere as long as it was connected to electricity. That's me. That's my superpower. I'm going to be <laughs> Dream Nature Man, and I could spy on you in your sleep. Enter Sandman, baby. Let's go to Chapter 2. Annika is talking about Intuitions and Illusions. Again, she's really just brisking upon the circuits of consciousness, which we learned from deeper books. There's eight circuits. Like you have uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it's literally just a triangle. And he came up with it in the 1800s. So I don't know why we're still going off of that. And it's just like food, shelter, love is top of the pyramid. But there's very many more circuits of thinking you get trapped in as a human. There's the bio-survival, which is like your oral, your, your anal. Don't poop where you eat. You got your territorial. Then the dialect circuit. You could talk to people. So animals are in the first two. Most people are in the third through fifth. Dialect, time, and morality. And then above that, the higher circuits are the programming, what you can do to a child or what was done to you. The neurosomatic, you're getting into your meditation, and then the metaprogramming. Annika. Just breezing over things as her husband Sam rolls his eyes as saying, Consciousness was built for survival, so we're like monkeys in a spaceship. Which we are. (laughs) I mean, we have the most powerful tool, the brain, but think about giant excavators that could move mountains. We have the biggest tools of any man ever. Thanks to the brain. And we're still running on, like, fear. So you have a fear of flying. You know you would have to fly for 55,000 years straight every single day. You, you can't live that long until you'd eventually be in a crash. Like, the odds are so minuscule, but our monkey brains get so scared over irrational things. And it's better to err on the side of danger in nature. It's better to think there's a monkey lying on the other side of the grass rather than just moseying around. So when you are trapped in the lower levels, the bio survival levels of thinking, you are not able to transcend. You are being controlled by anxiety and fears. You see how this can be done as a parent. You tell your kid don't do something or you're going to get a beating. You instill fear in them. As a government, you threaten jail. It's the entire crux of our society. So in all these levels, her name of the chapter, Intuition and Illusions, the intuition of consciousness is you don't have to worry about food. You know, you have hunger built in. You get turned on throughout the day, and this weird primal urge takes over, and you don't have any words to explain it, just like it's a manifestation of consciousness, you want to put your penis in something. She's saying, though, it goes as far as, back before we had any sort of electricity and advanced ways to communicate, the most entertaining things people would look at were the stars, That wasn't enough. The big picture, the whole canvas of the universe was not enough. We had to make up stories with the stars. Orion's shooting his arrows over at the Little Dipper. There's all (laughs) your star signs, astrology. Our creative brain is what makes us different, puts us on a higher circuit, those two circuits, than the animals. Annika thinks that you can shape your intuition through education and environment. I haven't seen this one, but everyone talks about Ender's Game. That one's supposed to be about breeding a generation of kids to be the best warlords, and then you could take over galaxies and the whole cosmos. You can shape people's intuition and what they go into. We're the most malleable species on Earth. You could take a guy with a million dollars. He's sad as hell, and then there's a guy who's dirt poor, and he's happy as hell. The consciousness can shift to any situation, whereas if you put a rabid raccoon in a mansion he's going to tear everything apart the same as he would in an apartment so Annika thinks you can and should listen to your intuition if you make it good enough but that thing like being afraid of flying your gut your intuition is not always going to be right but sometimes it really is I was reading this story online recently there was I like some scary stories from time to time you know the dark side of the internet and there were these girls They were living in the Hollywood Hills of L.A. They were like, it could be a scary story. It was entertaining. 13-year-olds and their parents were out. And they were the only ones home. And they were like two girls um, in a mansion just putting makeup on, singing Justin Bieber. And, uh, you know, the air got cold. Everything seemed like it was a like, pitch quieter. And the girls were like, we should probably get out of the house. Do you feel that? And so they went into the front yard a black van spammed the horn and then peeled off. They saw people scatter into the bushes and there was a planned robbery on the house. Those girls could have been killed, could have been trafficked, but their intuition, your body picks up on maybe the crunching of a leaf outside while you're mid-verse in Justin Bieber's I'm Sorry. Your intuition is the sum whole of your body's input and it, manifest subconsciously so you can't put every input into words if we had some super way to communicate like in that movie arrival where they just the aliens just talk by ink (laughs) you don't need to try to put things into words you could put on a better radio show all of that is on intuition all of that leads into the linguist the what is that the fifth circuit of thinking And Anna took it a step further. So we were talking about muscles in the shell last chapter. She was talking about this thing, locked-in syndrome. Basically, paralysis, like people who are vegetable. There's probably something still going on in their brain. Like, people go into comas and then come back speaking foreign languages. Where are they going? How did they learn this? This locked-in syndrome is a pretty good example for free will. She talked about an author in 1997... He wrote this book called Butterfly, A Paralyzed Man. And he was so aware of his situation when he was in bed typographing this book. He, he included in the postscript, I blinked 200,000 times while writing this book. I'm talking about the malleability of consciousness. If you are locked into your shell, you will use this consciousness to calculate other things. He's counting them as many times as he blinks. He's also probably astral projecting and watching a girl's locker room at night and then she talked about the bad side of that locked in syndrome is if you go into a surgery they could give you all the amnesia in the world but you're conscious during it like people wake up after surgeries and report having felt everything i'd sue the anesthesiologist or maybe it was <laughs> your body got buffered in the consciousness dimension and you have to go through the pain She moved on, starting to wrap up the chapter, citing a Russian scientist, Komovitz, who dedicated his whole career. He believed generational memories or survival actions aren't all stored in your brain, it's stored in your DNA. The why does your hair stand up when you do get that gut feeling? Is it a brain signal or is it a DNA signal? You know, you don't even need somebody's brain to make an entire genetic replica of them. To make a clone, you just need somebody's DNA. There's probably a lot more information, genetic information, and processes going on within your uh, DNA. In We Read the Science Delusion for the show, Curtis White believed that the DNA might be some sort of a parasite. Maybe your DNA is the voice inside your head. Annika had a cool comparison that our DNA is passed down from generation to generation and it becomes more refined just like the Google search algorithm does. Over the years, the Google search algorithm knows Facebook. It knows people that type in F most likely want to go there first. If you type in P.O. while a significant other is in the room it takes you to PolishAncestry.com Just like your DNA, the less information you have stored in your brain, the more the algorithm takes over. As a baby, how did you know to shove applesauce in your face? It's genetic, you know? Monkeys love applesauce. Annika's experiment for this in your own life to test consciousness levels. I think this is unethical if you bought it to a standard review board. She said, observe your friends and one of them will seem like a zombie with your newfound consciousness. This is a fucking disrespectful book. She little swing and a miss, a strike in the second chapter. But yeah, more people um, love the phone. More people are just riding the um, genetic wave for sure. Intuition can take over more than rationality but it's like a it's like a 3D movie looking at your intuition you're taking the glasses off and then you you have to watch the movie with the blur but then you're paying attention to everything you do not the best example on the fly but i think you get what i'm saying once you pay attention to the intuition it disappears it's like getting in the zone you got to get out of your head to get in the zone so let's get to chapter 3 she called it is consciousness free Very cool information about all the fancy editing tricks that your brain does. Even when you're hitting a tennis ball, shooting a gun, going bowling, even further away things are happening. All of the audio, visual, firing a gun, the recoil haptic feedback reach your brain at different speeds. Light travels faster than sound. You're going to see the downrange burst explosion at a different time. Point is, your brain does all this editing and syncs it up. Easier example. If you're watching a documentary... There's the audio. You hear the narrator's voice. They switch to interviews. The audio is the baseline, and then you have what's called the A-roll. What you're going to be using primarily, you go to the B-roll you've heard of. And if the audio is even a millisecond off from the video, it looks like people are having a stroke. It looks like (laughs) the old uh, Chinese Kung Flu movies. Maybe it's the consciousness aspect, or maybe it is your brain just doing all these calculations at light speed. Can't measure that in a coffin MRI machine. So maybe there are all these super quick micro actions going on in your super processor brain. Annika again is saying free will could very well be an illusion of these quantum computers that we don't understand yet and is just the basis of our simulation. I like to call this one all these fucking fancy scientists can make up their own theories. I'm going to start making up theories on the show. We have the Ouija board argument. You know the Ouija boards? You could scare your friends out from sleeping over your house forever with this little tool. It's basically the chicken or the egg. Did you move your hand on the Ouija board to say, Dead Grandma? Or did did Lucifer reach up through the board game and move your hand along the letters? You know, is it the free will or is it your subconscious moving you there first? There, that's... I could write five pages on the Ouija board complex. Annika Harris, watch out for your 100-page books. I'm going to spit out some (laughs) 600-pagers. And then for the second half of the chapter, short chapters, she alluded to the Buddhist idea, I am a soul with a body. I'm not a body with a soul. Which one are you? Christians say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that there was a priest up inside every Catholic. The spirit being separate from the brain has been a part of every religion, every metaphysical conversation. And with her little determinalism argument, she thinks your soul is a slave to your body and your epigenetics to a degree. Like if alcoholism is in your genetics, it goes down generation to generation. It's in your DNA, but people are still able to quit your soul is stronger than your body, so there's a little argument there that you could your spirit can overpower the poles of the body. You could be chastity, what are, what are they called? People, astinent, abstinent. Jesus, that word won't even come out of my mouth. I hate the idea behind it so much. Being a soul with a body is only going to get more murky the further we get into cyborg land. It's almost 2100 people if i decide to be a future what are they called the space force if i want to be a milky way navy seal i'm gonna be fighting in some giant mech unit some like suit of armor where i have a gatling gun on one arm and what do i want like a giant soldering iron where i could just cut through people i think i just ripped off optimus prime's main weapon Optimus Prime, is this motherfucker a truck or is he an alien? Am I the machine mech unit in space or am I the dude inside of it? (laughs) What was that quote from uh, Tropic Thunder? It's about Robert Downey Jitter losing his mind. Am I a dude playing a dude, acting a dude? Follow Harry shit on Instagram. I just put up a meme like that. Annika bought it back to Earth a little bit more. Her examples towards the end of the chapter were about self-driving cars. And just like the intuition, the car drives itself until you put your hand on the wheel. That's how AI works. That's how the whole Tesla thing works. So you ever, people like me who can't afford a self-driving car, have you ever driven to work one day and you just like wake up and you're at work? You're like, holy shit, how did I get here? You just went on autopilot. We have this subconscious GPS. It's wired. That is the territorial, the second circuit of thinking. So potentially your dog could drive to the dog park if he had a car. Very determinalist that that is inside of you. These poles to the different places. (laughs) There was a kid in my high school. May Day is about to be done with school for the year. Kids are taking psychedelics after school. This kid... Went to his old house where, like, his parents split up, yada, yada, yada. He's like, I feel the energy in there, man. And he started puking on the new tenant's front lawn. He was like, I feel the energy in there, man. (laughs) He might have been on the meta programming circuit, dog. You tap into these different levels of consciousness. Maybe his uh, predeterminalism was pulling him there. Leads us back to the name of the chapter, Is Consciousness Really Free? And so, like, how the epigenetics we started, your epigenetics is kind of a scaffolding for you. Big picture, the parameters of a society, what laws are made, defines most people's free will. Like I've said before, laws are made for the rule breakers. For most people, it's just, okay, this is my playground, this is where the fence ends, and that's how you live. I mean, people who have found this show are already off the reservation, as Anthony Bourdain would say. Motherfuckers still be watching CNN, you know? So Annika's suggesting boldly within 100 pages and a few more wild claims to come. Free will is one of the brain's many illusions. Hmm. What about Da Vinci who used his free will thinking to will machines into existence? That sounds pretty free to me. I don't know. She's the expert or married to one. Chapter 4, Along for the Ride. She did have a good point against free will to start us off here. She talked about parasites, and parasites completely take over a host. The one she cited first, Toxoplasma. This is a little microscopic parasite that's found in almost every single mammal species. But the only place it could procreate, the only disco that it'll go to, is the intestines of cats the only place I can make love the only place the mood is right toxoplasma it's in almost every single mammal species on the globe how does it get to everybody rats and cats have the same hangouts they're chilling in the same alleyways smoking doobs playing dice the rats you know bubonic plague are the ultimate transporters of any disease you want these guys on your team in any sort of bio war So you got this toxoplasma, the bacteria that's making love, having orgies all up in the cat's intestines. And if you have a cat in your house, holy shit, dude, my roommate's cat, I let him in my room the other night. I creaked the door open so in case he needs to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, motherfucker Jones just ignores the door being open. And he threw up, I think it was poop too, on one of my favorite shirts, a dry wicking shirt. Had to throw it out, what a little asshole. There's probably toxoplasma all over that. I already know I have this bullshit. (laughs) cats when they're in the alleys with those rats they're always taking shits pissing all over hacking up hairballs they're disgusting little creatures so the toxoplasma is all up on these rats and it gets into almost every mammal species what toxoplasma has been proven to do i mean in the rats to start because it's the carriers so let's stay on the infected uh parasite route the Toxoplasma makes rats not afraid of cats anymore. I just saw a video of a Russian rat. It's like a super rat, one of the mutants, and it was chasing cats around the town. On a microscopic level, the Toxoplasma causes cysts in the brain, and that's what it makes all the rats stacked up on their cortisol, and then they just rampage in humans, the cysts in the brain from the Toxo. It changes people's desires and their fears change as well. It'll trap dopamine in your brain. It'll make you more attracted to cats. So women that get tested positive for toxoplasma usually have a million cats in your house. Because you look at cats and that the rose-colored glasses come over your face. He's so cute. You're just like the rats with the disease. With the men, they get shown to be more aggressive. Crazy test was 50%. ...of motorcycle riders have had Toxoplasma. I've lived with two cats that I don't know where they came from. That's how you're supposed to get a cat. And I have been in a motorcycle accident. (laughs) I probably have a fucking parasite, man. People go to foreign countries and come back and they have, like, worms aplenty. Parasites can manipulate your consciousness, so maybe there really is no free will... ...if a worm can control what you're doing. She also had, after that, it was called the Horsehair Worm... And uh, that little guy will get into the brains of grasshoppers. I've seen these videos on YouTube, and it's not microscopic at all. It looks like a, <laughs> it's taking over his head. It looks like the grasshopper is wearing a hat, and it is pressing on the brain in different places. Makes the grasshopper jump into water, the nearest source of water, so that the horsehair worm can reproduce. It could only do it in water, so that literally turns grasshoppers into zombies. Just like her little example before about fucking <laughs> acting superior to your friends. Parasites might as well be in a digital form too, man. What if uh, if you came down to Earth from... Uh, you took a spaceship around the moon from 1970 till now. You would think there's a parasite. Everybody's crooked at the neck looking at these Apple devices. You'd think an alien parasite was here. So let's bring it back to the outer reaches of consciousness. Which is uh, widely accepted, you know, two-thirds of Americans are Christians. Exorcisms. That is a parasite. It's a fucking demon riding your soul. And Annika apparently talked to some priests who have done exorcisms. (laughs) And they're apparently wrangling these interdimensional Luciferian parasites. (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh. But another example, man, with these different circuits of consciousness. Who's to say you don't get trapped in one? And another guy jacks over your vehicle in that circuit. Another example was streptococci. Everybody's had strep before. And the way that it goes undercover in your body for a couple weeks while it spreads disinformation and corrupts more cells is it blends in with the white blood cells in your heart and in your lungs. So there are very creative little mechanisms that these cells have hours worth of footage on YouTube ...about, you know, the microscopic universe. I've told this story on stage before, and I don't even know if I'll get to fucking go on stage again. So let's tell it. I've, um in the past, known somebody who has had an electron microscope a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, throughout the course of an event of a day, one thing leads to another. You get your JD'd on a microscope slide... I was able to look at my sperm under an electron microscope. Ladies and gentlemen, your host is Fertile. It's fucking another world right under our eyes. Who's to say those little guys aren't conscious? You can watch T-cells being evaded. It's like a little game of Pac-Man that's going under all of our noses. Back to chapter one, a hidden mystery. People from the 1600s would freak out if they saw how many little parasites you need to live. Like they say, most of your cells as a person are foreign cells. You don't have, like, every seven years, all of the cells in your bodies turn over. So you are not, ever since you were seven years old, you are not the original copy of yourself anymore. You're just a shittier, lessened version. And some people have been hitting the remind me tomorrow. They have forgotten to do their software updates on their consciousness. (laughs) Watch out for those parasites. Update your firmware, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We got chapter five. Who are we? She's getting a little existential in the middle. What does anybody do? She was depersonalizing before becoming dirt you got to analyze your concept of self. And anybody who's taken any sort of breakthrough dose of psychedelics has experienced ego death. You are no longer putting sentences together. You cannot say, who am I? You and the couch are one. You are floating through space-time. What is time? What is space? A concept of self. So you get stupider than a two-year-old when you're tripping onto another universe... At two years old is when you could start to recognize yourself in a mirror. Zero animals know how to do this. I I think dolphins at a zoo have, and they've seen uh, orangutans do the same, but most animals look in a mirror and are like, oh my god, there's another cat that looks exactly like me. They're friggin' idiots. They are very low on most circuits of consciousness and retarded in others. Another thing that muddies the sense of who are we as people, like you think you're this static bunch of cells that lived in this state from X year to Y year. What about near-death experiences? What about synchronicities in the universe? She's hinting at the idea of entanglement, which you could read 2,000 page books on the idea of entanglement. The deeper we get, the more confusing it gets. Her predeterminalism side would say that. The universe made her write that part in and uh, not explore it at all. Cool thing I learned from the Robert Anton Wilson book was he was citing wild CIA studies. We're going to get into that one day. But one of the psychedelic studies conducted was with LSD and this metaprogramming circuit where the neurosomatic, we have the ability to sense things outside of them, outside of ourselves. In a controlled study done hundreds of times with hundreds of different people, there's an 80% success rate of being able to tell whether someone is watching you over your shoulder when you are on... They tested LSD, but they've discovered it with other senses as well. Like, when you get high, oh, you're so paranoid when you're high. You're picking up on some other shit where you could tell this lady's about to call the cops on you across the street in these CIA deep and dark labs up in friggin' Langley, Virginia. There were people who, like, you've heard of a hive mind before. You have these exterior senses. You could tell if you're being watched. Another insane study you're not going to see in any uh, <laughs> history book or they'll never never teach you in school. They didn't teach me this. I have a criminal justice degree and they didn't teach me this. The recidivism rate, people that go to jail, 75% go back to jail after they serve their time. This isn't, people don't learn their lesson. That's not what it's about. Terrence McKenna, he was one of the first to study psilocybin before it was made illegal. He was doing prison studies. He wasn't just listening to hippie music. He was taking prisoners, administering their doses. After they uh, administered this magic drug, these guys only had a 25% recidivism rate. So it radically can change your outlook either on life or in the situation that you're in at the time. And it improved those people's lives. Nobody wants to take their life advice from criminals. What about from multi-billionaire international CEOs of Silicon Valley tech? These people microdose on the daily. Why? Because it works. Annika cited, you know, when you're losing it at the end of the life, name of the chapter, Who Are We?, hospitals administer microdoses of mdma to patients that are about to pass on to the other side people say their parents were out their deathbed were glowing he was rolling balls he thought he was at a rave <laughs> No, but it helps you communicate more. Anybody that's been on these things, it knows. It feels like you could tell everybody your secrets. They—that's why the CIA tested it. They thought it was called Truth Serum. They were using it on Russians, and the Russians were just like had a thousand micrograms in their system and totally disassociated. And they're like, "Okay, this is dangerous. Fucking outlawed." Nixon arrest the black people and hippies. So this—who are we? We're still learning. These kids are experimenting with the MDMA more than science is allowed to. It's better to think of consciousness, even the concept of the idea, as a wave. Just like art, it's not one thing, it's the entire rise of this. We were single-celled organisms, according to Darwin, and we became this. Consciousness is a moving wave. And as this wave starts to build up, hopefully it'll crest. Hunter S. Thompson said the waves often recede, but if the wave finally breaks, we might get to see the AI become conscious you know we would literally become gods i'm over here saying we are god that is a super balanced id ego and super ego let's move along to chapter six is consciousness everywhere this is that whole panipsism idea aka me being a tree aka jamie fox inside your power box and so the easiest way to define this would just be to say, yep, the universe is one grand consciousness and we're all just along for the ride. You see how our argument got laid out for the book. Panipsism was a 1500s Italian philosopher's idea. Back then, during the Renaissance, a lot of good ideas popping up back then. Panipsism says that we aren't all atoms in matter, but the universe is one substance. Makes more sense when you zoom out enough into the multiverse theory. But who am I to fucking zoom out past the multiverse theory if that's even close to true? But I like to cite black matter. What scientists can't cite. It makes up 80% of the universe and we just call it dark matter. What are its properties? Can we manipulate it? Are we going to choke and die on black matter one day? Nobody knows. Maybe that really is what uh, the yin to the yang of carbon atoms. It needs to exist as the counter. Just like our white and red blood cells, we could really just be... Horton Hears a Who, Tiny Animals on a Giant Bigger Cell. (laughs) Yes, I just cited Dr. Seuss. (laughs) I'm a literate genius. (laughs) Name of the chapter is Consciousness Everywhere. She got into voodoo. Also known as object permanence. You know, some people think objects have memory. Had a chick do reiki on me once. She was like holding this power crystal. And I don't know, man, I got a boner. There was definitely, (laughs) there was a little bit of power in there. (laughs) (laughs) The idea of voodoo, man. An object could be quantumly entangled to another object. It could be just something we don't have the words to explain. And some uh, old wizard-looking guy said voodoo one day, and it's not a very scientific word, so now we ignore it. If somebody had a fucking voodoo doll of me, I would go and break into their house to take it. You know, you would do the same. Nobody wants this shit out there. There might (laughs) be some validity to that. Send in your best voodoo doll makeups of Nick Munis to (laughs) nicknonfiction.com. I brought up a couple weeks ago. The first ever episode of The Twilight Zone is about long-term isolation studies. But it goes beyond that, beyond Fyodor staying in his house for 20 years. In that episode, one of the big themes is the guy. He carried the entire 22-minute episode with one giant monologue. He's like, I think I am being watched. I cannot shake this feeling. I know there's not another eyeball on Earth except for mine, but it feels as though there's a giant eye in the sky. And literally, man, the all-seeing eye. Every society has had the idea that you're being watched at once. The Holy Roman Catholic Empire. God knows when you masturbate. This feeling might be part of the metaprogramming that we all feel that we're being watched. This could be one entangled universe, one conscious being. I think there's this short story called, might be called The Eye, but that could send you on a million year search. It's an ego death experience, a trip report. They talk to the beings of light. And just like the Buddhist idea, you know, it's the thesis of every religion. We are all one. You have lived my life. I have lived your life. We have been through this all. You will ultimately feel the way you've treated other people. What goes around comes around. Consciousness could be everywhere. Annika, this is just totally writing out your ass, but I like the idea. She was saying maybe the panipsism, the entire universe is conscious. And the like you've heard before, you go and watch a sunset. There it is, the big man's paintbrush. Maybe this is the God giving us its show. The stars at night I was talking about before. Every snowflake is different. The universe might have a way of being creative. Music. Dude, like, the way we discovered art uh, back in Greece, these guys had to hide from the government because it was illegal to practice music. They took tendons of animals, made three string little guitars, and measured the strings. Half a string is one note, half of that is another note up, half of that is another note up. Music is the math of time. And then, you know, Pythagoras, geometry is the architecture of math in space. Like, math is the key to all this shit. I'm starting to sound like I got crazy spiked-up hair every way. (laughs) I've sounded like that for weeks on end. But this paintbrush, this underlying creativity, that's the Fibonacci sequence. It's not like we invented music. It's these underlying concepts that we extract from the natural world. Thomas Hobbes, what is property? You mixing your labor with the land. You gotta watch this... (laughs) I cited Dr. Seuss before, you gotta watch this Disney. It's like a 1940s cartoon, but they were making some art back then, dog. It's called Donald Duck in Math Magic Land, and it takes you back from the start of man through the Greeks to the geometry, the architecture of the Roman Empire, and it takes you through the galaxy, man. Take an edible. Donald Duck will show you the secret of the universe. (laughs) Annika was citing Francis Crick and Christoph Koch at the end of her chapter here about maybe it's all awake. And these two guys, Crick, discovered the double helix DNA. It's a pretty smart guy. One of Francis Crick's other theories is that our brain is like a radio when it's running on power from the universe. That's like Tesla's electricity towers. He was like pulling it from the sky. Crick thinks our brain could very well be like a fucking dark matter engine. We don't know. Maybe the entire universe runs on dark matter. Francis Crick, who discovered DNA, thinks our brain was like a radio for different frequencies, different consciousness. I was just talking about Tesla. Tesla said the universe is found upon frequencies and vibrations. And then Annika got into some crazy uh, medicine, so she would be banned on YouTube. There's this thing called transcranial magnetic stimulation. And it looks like a Scientology thetan meter you're holding on to. Just like two metal handles, it sends pulses through your brain. And it's supposed to activate the depressed parts and stuff. There's a lot of celebrities who do this shit, so apparently it has some redemptive qualities... But there could very well be an underlying medical science to advance humanity based upon frequencies. And so with consciousness being everywhere, just like you, your outer reaches of consciousness exist, something you're not paying attention to as much. The entire universe is on a bell curve, so organs make up organisms. My liver only knows how to process different liquids and vacuum waste out of my body. But it's probably smarter than an earthworm. So again, we're back on the spectrum. I would say a better question to write a book about would be where the line of creativity started in evolution. Dogs, you know, most mammals are socially intelligent, but creatively retarded. A dog can maybe wag its tail if you put paint on it and he'll splatter paint on a canvas. There's no counterculture. There's no second layer. That is not art. That could be a commercial product if you sell it. Obviously, humans have the creative aspect. Dolphins have a language. They can tell each other's buddies' voices within a couple hertz of each other's changing. They also invent games. You watch, they like take shells up to the surface, drop them, try to catch them. They, invent, they swim along with boats, try to ride wakes. How do you invent a game, man? That's definitely creativity. I feel like that that, that should have been the name of the book, not conscious creativity. She capped the chapter saying... Theoretical physicists admit that consciousness is outside the law of particles. So literally, it's an indefinable idea. And that begs the question, if things can act outside of the laws of physics, the laws, spoiler alert, that's basically what Einstein's life work showed us. The whole idea of relativity. They aren't so much laws of physics then as they are recommendations. Chapter 7, second to last here, this one is called Beyond Panipsism. She started the chapter with the old example, used it a little bit before. Imagine your brain is in a vat with no sensory input, and one by one they connect your brain vat to some eyes. You're able to see, and then they connect you to hands. You're able to feel stuff. You know, you have your entire cyborg body before you know it, but until you are uploaded with language, you can't have memories. Think about animals, us through most of history. You don't have memories. You're literally zen to the max, living in the moment. Animals are not able to use the time-bending circuit. Think about it, man, your dog. Like, I hate to break it to you. People like to say, yeah, my dog knows my name. My dog knows where we live. Why do you think your fucking dog pees everywhere you go? They have to use their scent pheromones. They remember where they pee more than they remember your name. But luckily, as humans, we're more than a brain in a vat. We have language to categorize places in our memory. Animals don't have that. That's why they're peeing all over nature. That's how they mark their territory because they do not have a word. That is sunset rock. We go there to howl at moon every third Wednesday. If they could even put that one sentence together, they wouldn't be having to pee all over the place. In this chapter, she quoted Rebecca Goldstein, who has a medical background of her own. Rebecca was recording how many doctors will say, you don't need to be connected to your sensory organs. To have consciousness, like I said, people go into comas and come back saying they lived different lives, literally speaking different languages. Those are some of the craziest human stories you can read. It's scary, but as much as you can muster the truth, read those near-death experience stories. Rebecca quoted some doctors. Go as far as saying, these are doctors, man. It's not a 23-year-old with a microphone. Doctors go as far as saying that consciousness might be an intrinsic property of matter. I mean, that's kind of depressing. How special do you feel? Get enough pencils, carbon fiber pencils, and they'll write a better sentence than you on their own. (laughs) I mean, there obviously has to be a certain mix of matter to get the consciousness we have. But it's crazy for a doctor to be saying that anything could contain this anomaly. And then Rebecca Goldstein, talking to more doctors, talking to more women, were saying how being pregnant feels like a different state of consciousness. Universally, wives report postpartum depression. That's really all that I could speak for, but <laughs> Rebecca was going, some women think that their uterus was talking to them when they are pregnant. Okay there. <laughs> I thought this was a science book. It is a New York Times bestseller what the fuck do I know? I guess if you're a woman, you could talk to your uterus. That must be nice to have a friend there all the time. I talk to my penis, and he gets me into many escapades, he bad ideas. <laughs> so beyond panipsism, what are we clinging to anymore? As in the experience ego death on the show, she said the way that humans cling to an identity is one of the real quirks of the universe. I hate to break it to you guys here to end the chapter. Report me to PETA if you want to. But I will call my roommate's cat a different name every few weeks. And he doesn't mind. He gets used to the new name. I've been calling him... His name was Severus from the original owner. I've been calling this motherfucker Sherman, Smedley, Sven, Stan. I call him Chungus sometimes. His ego is not clinging to all the names. He's just vibing, trying to get pet, trying to get a treat here and there. As what we were before this consciousness infected us as humans. But hopefully... (laughs) <laughs> we could transcend the planet or do something dope with it. It's going to take us to chapter 8, our last one, Consciousness and Time. I mean, you could talk about this until the end of time. All you'd have to do here is to be near someone on psychedelics to understand the fab- the tear in the fabric of time that is possible. One of the openers I would use on stage is, I uh, tripped on LSD today, so for those of you who have never, I have aged many years today. If you know, you know. Consciousness and time are very, very flexible. (laughs) Dude, imagine if you were a fly, okay? Flies have a lifespan of 72 hours. You wake up one day, you remember... Your mom pushing you off the garbage can and learning to fly. You hung out at a poo spot with young Timmy. And then uh, 24 hours later, you got married. You had beautiful little fly children. And a full weekend, 72 hours. You're sitting by the dumpster and it is ending all now. You are reflecting on your beautiful life, playing flyby with Timmy and your wife dying after giving birth to thousands of eggs. It might not be that fun to be a fly, but they must experience this 72 hours a completely different way to live a whole life within that span. Man, would you want to be a whale shark? They are finding these, like, weird moss-covered sharks off the coast of Greenland that are alive for 400 years. Like, a month must feel like a day. I don't know if she got into it in this book, but... Time distortion is massive. As you go throughout your life, the older you get, the quicker time feels. It's been reported on for hundreds of years. So think about being a redwood tree. There are some trees that are older than the religion of Christianity. What would it be like to be that tree? Time is intangible, just like consciousness. Meditation teachers will say, (laughs) this is one of their go-tos, it is all the present moment. But there is no present moment. What you know, what am I supposed to do with that, bro? I thought you were going to help me get over my high blood pressure. Buddhism, all of that is filled with tautologies, which is like defining something within itself. It is what it is. Or when people are going, I was meant to win the lotto. That's a a tautology. It is a, (laughs) you're putting the weight within itself. It is all the present moment, but there is no present moment. There's no way to get out of this mental trap that we're all in, people. I'll take us back to the first chapter. Meditation, as Annika said, is the best tool that we have to take a step back and observe. She did end on a little bit how scientists haven't been able to explain the distortion of time throughout the life. So (laughs) she literally said, most scientists have chalked it up to quantum physics. So literally... Everything in the science community, when they don't understand it, they just chalk it up to quantum physics. Another one bites the dust. Or you can consider it pre-eternalism versus eternalism. Is time cyclical? Are we on one straight line? As Back to the Future would have you believe. And she tried to end her motherfucking book, her second New York Times bestseller, on Schrodinger's cat. Which is the biggest cop-out ever, (laughs) you know? It's the whole study where, like, if light hits a cat in a certain way, it doesn't get absorbed by the camera. So if you're looking at the cat versus when you're not looking at the cat, does he really exist? I think uh, reality tunnels and the eight circuits of thinking are much deeper than just going back into the is the cat real or not. But if you take that step back, if you... Observe the consciousness you can learn to ride those waves of the higher circuits, and you can float down the river. The one that Siddhartha, the giant river of time and consciousness and time that he was watching go by, until he realized you have to surrender with the flow. We have no hard answers for us today on the emerging phenomena, the mystery of consciousness. Hopefully after the show, you will take this little miracle machinery in your head and less for granted every single day thank you guys for tuning in for annika harris's consciousness maybe the last of her books we will be seeing but a nice little intro into the psychedelic realm for the show as for next week boy oh boy do we have a good show this is one of my favorite topics and that means i'm going to be hot baby i'm gonna be throwing the big ideas around America, the Farewell Tour by Chris Hedges, a Pulitzer Prize journalist. This book is all about the decay of empires. Perfect timing. You got the content coming strong. I really do appreciate all the support, all the love over the, over the past month. Thank you guys for subscribing, tell a friend, share with uh, someone else who likes a book or two. Love you guys. See you in just a week. Peace.